growing in God's Word, and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. Can I tell you that uh, most people are looking for love, or they're looking for happiness, or they're looking for contentment, or they're looking for whatever it is that they think that this life is supposed to bring them, and they are, as the song says, looking for it in all of the wrong places. When all the time God's right in front of them, He's saying, come to me, let me give you life, let me give you true, actual, eternal, purposeful, meaningful life. This place is the paradise of God. Paradise, just a mention of the word, conjures up images in our minds. The Bible teaches in the book of Genesis that Adam and Eve, the first man and woman, lived in a paradise. They forfeited that paradise when they rebelled against God. They were driven from the Garden of Eden, and the whole world fell under the sin curse. But did you know that God is going to restore His paradise in eternity? In the paradise that God created at the beginning, they were simply enjoying the creation that God had given them in the first place. And while that will see its ultimate fulfillment for us in eternity, can I just say this? You and I don't have to wait until eternity to fulfill our purpose with God. I'm Rick Freeman. Welcome to Crosswalk. Well, we're heading into the end of our year-long study of the book of Revelation, and today, Pastor Clay continues our study of the new Jerusalem that will be on the new earth in eternity. In the latter part of Revelation chapter 21, we learned of the construction of this city of God made of gold and all types of beautiful stones. Its size means there's plenty of room for all who would come to Christ, but it's also clear that only God's people will be allowed into this city where God himself will dwell. And they will no longer have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun. Why? Because the Lord God will illumine them and they will reign, how long? Forever and ever. Today, Pastor Clay takes us through the first five verses of chapter 22, where the description of the New Jerusalem continues. It's a description that shows the inner beauty of the city and fills us with anticipation of what God has in store for us. Now here's Pastor Clay with today's message from Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22, and I invite you to turn your Bibles there this morning if you have a copy of God's Word. Chapter 22 is a continuation, really, of a topic that began in Revelation chapter 21, if you happen to be with us two or three weeks ago when we were working in Revelation chapter 21, and that is a description of the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. Those are the topics of Revelation chapter 21 and Revelation chapter 22. Uh, chapter, the first part of chapter 21 really goes over this new earth and this new heaven and what's that going to be all about and, and what does that look like. And the latter part of chapter 21 focuses on this new Jerusalem, this new city uh, that is coming down out of heaven from, from God. Today, in the first part of Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5, we pick up with that same idea. Uh, John continues on with his description of the new Jerusalem. And ladies and gentlemen, it is spectacular. Verse 1 says, Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing 
of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. His bondservants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, and they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. If you happen to be here with us a couple of weeks ago when we were in Revelation chapter 21, you may remember that I made two uh, statements about this new Jerusalem that we get into in Revelation 21 and that we're continuing now in, in uh, chapter 22. I made, I made two statements about that city. And the first statement was this, that it is a literal city. Uh, that while there is uh, a good bit of symbolism in the book of Revelation, uh, not all of it is, certainly is not uh, symbolism. Even most of it is not symbolism. While there may be some, I do believe that this is a literal, actual city that uh, God has or is preparing for those who are his children, that it will be an actual, physical, literal place. Whatever that means in eternity, I think that it is an eternal city. The second statement that I made is that What I just said is that I believe that it's an eternal city. In other words, it's not the city uh, that's sort of described in in what's called the the millennial kingdom. It's not not during the thousand-year reign of Christ. This is after the tribulation period. This is after the the battle of Armageddon. This is after the thousand-year reign of Christ. After that comes eternity. And I believe that this new Jerusalem that's described, and for that matter, this new heaven and earth, are a literal city and that they are eternal. Now, having made those two statements last uh, two weeks ago, I also then gave you five characteristics of the city of the New Jerusalem that's found in Revelation 21. Today, I want to give you four more characteristics that come from Revelation chapter 22. And the first characteristic that we're going to start with this morning is this, that this place is the paradise of God. In chapter 21, we found this description that was, really, it was glorious. It was spectacular. It's awesome. And if you weren't here, go back and read Revelation chapter 21 and this description of the city. But, but that description really focused um, more on the bones of the city, if you will, the structure of the city, uh, the construction of the city itself, and its, its walls, and, and its gates, and, and the city itself, and the the, the materials that are used and certainly the, the stones and the colors and the gold and, and it's, it's beautiful, it's going to be beautiful. But here in chapter 22, we discover that not only is it beautiful, it is paradise. God takes us a little deeper in this description of this, of this new uh, Jerusalem. And he, he, what's interesting in this description is that you're going to see a lot of correlation. We'll make some connection today between Revelation chapter, really 21 and 22, and Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. I believe there's a marvelous connection between the first two books of the Bible and the last two books of the Bible. And it's just kind of neat to see how God kind of comes full circle and brings us back to what he uh, essentially started in the beginning. In, in the Garden of Eden, we know that, uh, that, that Adam and Eve, uh, that there was a river that flowed through that, that garden there in Eden. Here, in Genesis chapter 22, we find that there's this river. The text says, clear as crystal. River of water of life, clear as 
crystal. And then we discover the source of this river of life, which is the very throne of God and of the Lamb. So John said, here's this river, that this, and there's this river that's described in Eden, but now here's this river of life, and we find that the source of the, the spring, if you will, the head of this thing, is the very throne of God. In other words, it's saying to us, once again, remember, God is the source of life. God is the source of all that you're looking for in life. The text uh, talks about this, this water that flows from the very throne of God. Can I tell you all something? I, I meet uh, pe- people, a lot of people, a lot of different places. And uh, even at the gym sometimes, I'll just, I don't eavesdrop. That's probably not the right, wouldn't be the right thing to do. But sometimes I just kind of pick up on conversations that some people are having around us as Travis is trying to get me to focus on what I'm, what I'm doing. And I'm either watching uh, ESPN or, or listening to to sometimes conversations. It's just interesting to hear people uh, try to do life. And um, can I tell you that uh, most people are, are looking for uh, love or they're looking for happiness or they're looking for contentment or they're looking for whatever it is that they think that this life is supposed to bring them. And they are, as the song says, looking for it in all of the wrong places. When all the time God's right in front of them and he's saying, he's saying come, come to the source of life. Come to me, come to the spring, let me give you life, let me give you true, actual, eternal, purposeful, meaningful life. The text says in the middle of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life. The, the text is not necessarily uh, specific. Uh, in, the, in the literal Greek, in the, in the original language, it says uh, on both sides of the river, or in the original it says uh, on this side and on that side, tree of life. That's how it literally reads. So uh, the truth is it could be one gigantic tree that, that spans across both sides of the river, or it could be two possible trees represented on either side, or I don't know, it could possibly even be, the text is not necessarily specific about that, could even be a whole row of trees. I don't know. The point is, is that again, it's pointing to the fact that the source of life is God and that that, he is the one where we find this true life. Fruits is plural in the original, tree is singular, but it's this tree that represents life and where it's found. Uh, By the way, that last part of verse 2 the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. That's probably better translated uh, for the health of the nations, since there won't be any need for healing in eternity. There won't be any sickness. There won't be any uh, uh, need for doctors or nurses. Y'all can, y'all can be there, but y'all won't have to heal anybody. <laughs> it's for the health. The picture is that God is the one who is the source of life and that, that both the river and the tree are, are pictures of this God who brings life to people. Second characteristic of the city uh, looks like this. It's the presence of God. In uh, verse 3, it says there will no longer be any curse and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. Now, we read that in Revelation 21. Oh, yeah, presence of God. Yeah, I remember you talking about that. And I remember about the throne of God and of the Lamb. Yeah, I, I remember all that. But, but in chapter 22, we get a little more detail about this idea of being in the presence of God. And in 22.4, it says, they will see his face. Watch this now. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Now, uh, that idea there at the end, okay, the throne of God is there and the, 
you know, the lamb and in the presence of God. And, but, but then to find out, and they shall see his face. Any of you that, that are students of the Bible know that that, that, does, that just doesn't happen. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. That implies ownership. Now, from our perspective, ownership, as followers of Jesus, we understand that from our perspective. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. We understand that. We understand that God redeemed us. He bought us back from, from sin. He bought us back bought us back from eternity in hell by his sacrifice and made it possible. And so, in essence, he purchased us. And we, as a result of that, voluntarily choose to serve him rather than be slaves to sin, which is what we were or would be without a relationship with God. We choose to come up under him and to serve him. Now, we understand what goes with that. But in But in Revelation chapter 22, it's more from God's perspective. This idea of ownership is more from God's perspective. God says, I'm going to put my name on you. The best example I can think of this is is Bill and and Beverly Hopkins and, and, and anybody else that has ever adopted a child. When Bill and Beverly made the decision to go to China and adopt Ruthie, they did so because they chose to love her. Ruthie had done nothing to earn their love. Ruthie had done nothing to deserve their love. She certainly could do nothing to in any way earn a a right to be a part of Bill and Beverly's family. And so what they did was they said, Ruthie, we're giving you our name. You're becoming part of our family. What's ours is now yours. We'll watch over you. We'll protect you. And you will be our child. Ladies and gentlemen, that is exactly what God did for us. Nothing that we could do to in any way uh, earn uh, his love. And yet he chose to simply love us. And what he said was, I'm going to give you my name. And I'll watch over you. And I'll protect you. And I'll bring you into my house. What's mine is now yours. And you're part of this family. It's the very presence of God. You know, in... um, In Exodus chapter 33, God had to say to Moses that he could not enter into his presence. You cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. And yet someday, you and I will be able to stand in the presence of God Almighty and see him face to face as a a child sees their father. I think that's awesome. It's the presence of God. Third characteristic uh, is this. Third characteristic looks like this. It's the purpose of God. And, uh, and look what happens in the text, because some people have kind of misunderstood this. That last part of verse 4, um, the throne of the God and of the Lamb will be in it. His bond ser- this last part of verse 4, and his bondservants will serve him. Now, some people have taken that uh, and actually made a negative out of it. Oh, man, you mean I got to work in eternity? His bondservants will serve him. Oh, what? I didn't sign up for that. Well, when we talk about serving God, okay, when we talk about serving God in eternity, keep a couple things in mind, ladies and gentlemen, all right? Keep this in mind. Keep in mind that you and I were created for purpose, all right? It's actually within us to need to produce, uh, to 
to labor, if I can use that term, to, to have a purpose and meaning and to feel like we're fulfilling something in life. There, there is this innate quality within us that wants to do that. Think, think about it, for, even from a, a human perspective here and now. The people, as, as they reach retirement age, they grow older, man, they come to a retirement, what we consider retirement age in America. Isn't it the people who, even upon reaching retirement, isn't the people that stay more active in something, doing something, whether it's a second career, whether it's watching grandkids, whether it's taking up a hobby, no matter what it is, isn't it those people that tend to be the healthiest and live the longest? Because there's purpose, there's, there's meaning in their life, they've got something that they actually want to do. So you need to keep that in, in mind, that you, you actually were created for that. Can I, I just tell you this? One of the reasons there's an expectation at Cross Culture Church that everybody will serve, there's an expectation that everybody that's a member of Cross Culture Church will serve, one of the reasons is, well, you need us. Yes, we do. We can't do this, this kingdom work. We can't take the, the message of Jesus to the nations if you don't join in this work with us. We can't. We're just getting this thing started here, and, and we, we need every, all hands on deck. We say that a lot. Then that's true. But can I tell you this? You actually need to serve. You're actually wired that way. And that you'll never really find that all of what that is that God has for you until you're finding that place. Now, that may vary in a lot of ways. And how does that mean? Well, I'm not, no good with kids. Well, here, here's a hint. Don't work with kids. That's not, but, but what is that thing? What is that area? What is it that we're going to be doing? What is it that we can do? That thing? So keep in mind, when, when you're just talking about that, that we're actually wired that way. Also, when we're talking about serving God in eternity, keep this in mind as well. God doesn't need anything, ladies and gentlemen, okay? I mean, I I know we know that, but can we just say that? God doesn't need anything. So when we talk about serving God, it's not like we're going to be bringing him a drink or or feeding him some grapes or fanning him with a big palm frond or or vacuuming, you know, the floor of his house. He, He is God after all, right? So what does it mean when it says his servants will serve him? What does it mean to serve God in eternity? I just want to know, what am I going to be doing up there? Well, I don't know. I don't know all of it. I don't have all the answers to that. But this I know. Some of the things that we'll be doing up there in serving him, we won't be doing, won't be the things that we're doing down here to serve him. For instance, you and I are called, if if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I are charged to take the message of Jesus to anybody that we can, right? And everybody can. And however, whatever ways God, doors God's open for us and ways that we can do that, you and I are charged to take the message of Jesus to those around us. I don't think anybody would argue with me about that. If, if so, I'll bust a Bible out on you and, uh, and, and we'll just see. But, uh, but we've got that charge, right? I mean, that's, there's just no question about it. You and I are charged to do that, to take the message of Christ, to, whether it's coworkers or neighbors or, or, or family members or, or fellow students or across the globe or wherever it is. But you and I won't be doing that in eternity for the simple fact that there won't be anybody in eternity that needs to hear that message. Everybody in the New Jerusalem will have a relationship with God. So that's not, that won't be serving him. Won't be, be serving him in C2 kids. Won't be on a, a set-up breakdown team. Can I hear an amen? amen. <laughs> Won't be having to set up or tear down. I don't think we'll be leading life groups. Won't be standing up preaching to y'all. So what 
are we going to be doing when it says we'll be serving him? Well, I think the answer to that question is found, again, back in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. Think about this. How did Adam and Eve serve God? Before, this is before the fall, before they, before they allowed Satan's temptation to steal away the presence of God from them. How did they serve God? Was it not in the very fact that they simply were able to, to enjoy the creation God had made around them? And to uh, enjoy the relationship that they had? The scripture tells us that, 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 that they walked with God. And to enjoy that relationship, their lives were a continual act of praise and worship to God. Because they were fulfilling their purpose in life. To simply enjoy what God had made for them. I think that's at least in part what we're going to be doing in eternity. To, to enjoy. The, I have no doubt that Adam and Eve uh, worked. They, they were given dominion over the earth. They cultivated the earth. to some degree, but, but it wasn't from the sweat of their brow. It wasn't, you know, pulling weeds out or anything. They may have planted flowers because they enjoyed the beauty of flowers or planted a, a, a grove of trees or I'm sure they enjoyed the fruit. I can see them interacting with the animal life in, in the paradise that God created at the beginning. They were simply enjoying the creation that God had given them in the first place and enjoying the relationship they had with them. And while that will see its ultimate fulfillment for us in eternity... In eternity, we'll see the ultimate fulfillment in that. Can I just say this, uh, ladies and gentlemen? You and I don't have to wait until eternity to fulfill our purpose with God. The idea of simply enjoying the life that God has given to me. And maybe this is just a good place to stop and ask that question. Do I enjoy life? Uh, just, can you just chew on that a minute? Just introspective just your own life, as you think about it, do I actually enjoy life? Because God is the one who's given it to you, and so it's an act of worship to enjoy it. But do you actually enjoy it? Because I think we should. I I think that followers of Jesus ought to be the most content of any people on the face of the earth. I think followers of Jesus should find the greatest joy in fulfilling the purpose that God has given to them the, the greatest joy that all of life has to answer, has to offer. But, but instead, people seem like they're so busy, as I said a moment ago, chasing after everything where they think they're going to find. They're, they're kind of like, kinda, you know, like that, the, the hamster in the cage on that little wheel. You know what I'm saying? They're busy, but, but they ain't getting nowhere. They're going hard, but they're no closer to their destination. Why? Because they've, they've missed the fact that, that, that God has created them to have purpose within him. And part of that purpose is just enjoying the life that he's given to them. It's, you have to forgive me for perhaps being a, a bit self-reflective. But, but I was thinking about this uh, last week when I was putting this message uh, together. And can I, can I just go on record as saying I love my life? I do. I love my life. It's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Can I hear an amen? It's, my life is not without struggles. My life is not without difficulty. Tragedy can come into my life tomorrow. I know that. I could stand to be better looking. I know that. This was, you know, I thought about this. I, I don't think I'd ever thought about this quite this way. But I, when I was thinking about all this, I thought, I make less money today 
than I did 20 years ago when I was a postmaster. <laughs> I'll probably never shoot even par. I'll probably never drive an Aston Martin. Who knows if I'll ever have a motorcycle. But because I have sought to fulfill God's purpose with my life, can I tell you this? I've seen the sun rise on the rice paddies of China. I've seen it set in the Rift Valley in East Africa. I've, I've climbed the, the mountains of, of Bolivia and Ecuador. I've heard the sounds of a, of a babbling brook and, and children laughing and a whippoorwill at dusk. I've looked up into the night sky and the mountains of North Carolina and wondered at the majesty of God. I have the privilege of walking through life with a wife who loves me and believes in me and pours her life out to me. I love being the pastor of Cross Culture Church. I love it. I really do. I love interacting my life with the lives of a group of people that just want to make a difference in the world. I love teaching God's word to whoever will listen to me. And I love pouring my life into anybody that's willing to give me the time to let me pour my life into them. I, I, I love life. And, and I think you should too. Oh, trials and difficulties and tragedies and hardships and all of that, I, I, I know, I know, I know. But God has created you for a purpose that, that goes beyond all of that. And it gives you a life that is purposeful and meaningful and can bring contentment and joy into your life. And someday, someday, we'll get to do that in the paradise of God, free of the sin curse for all of eternity and enjoy the creation that God has given to us. It's the purpose of God. And then one more characteristic uh, this morning that I need to get to is the permanence of the city, the permanence of the city of God. Um, Again, the same idea that we saw in chapter 21, and it shows up here again in chapter 22. Uh, and there will no longer be any night, and they will no longer have need of the light of a lamp nor the light of the sun. Why? Because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign, how long? Come on, forever and ever. If, if, my, uh, if my calculations are right, I didn't ask Cindy about this, but if my calculations are right, we have lived in 16 different homes in 32 years of marriage. I'm grateful for every single roof that we have had over our head. But I'm really looking forward to a day when God's home will be my home for all of eternity. Uh, listen, we'll reign with him forever and ever. Uh, but just to remind you, that's not to say that we don't reign with him even now. In a sense, we, we have victory. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. We have victory in our lives. And, and we can reign with him uh, personally and practically even now. Because as John, the writer of Revelation, reminds us in 1 John chapter 4, he says this. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Yes, we can reign with him even now personally and practically. But someday, ladies and gentlemen, we can add to that the fact that we will reign with him perfectly and permanently. No more two steps forward and one step backwards. Y'all know what I'm talking about? No more, well, I did good now, but I failed at that. No more, boy, life just came on me and it just, it just beat me up so bad, or this person did that, or this happened in my life. We will reign with him forever and ever. Because the enemy is defeated, nothing 
evil or wicked will ever be allowed in. The sin curse is abolished. Time is irrelevant. And you and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The New Jerusalem. It really will be paradise restored. And as I mentioned at the beginning of this broadcast, Adam and Eve forfeited paradise. But as we've seen today, God is going to restore paradise. And those who know Him as their Lord and Savior will enjoy His paradise. And more importantly, His presence for all of eternity. We're glad you joined us for this week's message on Crosswalk. Each week, Pastor Clay opens the Bible and brings out its exciting and practical truths to apply to our lives. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sundays at 1030 at Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross. And it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.